Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. Sometimes when I um, lead the seniors, I lose my voice. Um, So we've got a glass of water just in case, but I'm sure you won't be quite as enthusiastically rowdy in your questioning. At least that's what I'm praying for. Well, my name's Marion. I do have the privilege to be the families and children's pastor here. I, um, I've really just been humbled by what God does in our ministry with the kids. There are so many amazing families and they come in all shapes and sizes. And that's one of the things I thought we would talk about this morning. So what does your family look like? Is it a mum and dad and 2.5 kids as the average? I think that's gone up. Um, Or is it beautifully blended or a single parent, older dads, step parents? You know, every one of those types of families is represented in the Bible. Older dad and younger mum, well, that was Mary and Joseph. Old dad old, old mum. Uh, Well, of course, that was Abraham and Sarah. Mum, dad, three kids, Noah and his wife. Dad plus wives. Old Testament had lots of wives going on. Just ask Abraham, Jacob, King David, not to mention King Solomon, uh, who I think got the uh, award, merit award for numbers of wives in that respect. But what about grandparents? Well, I recently saw a meme that said, if I'd have known how much fun grandchildren were, I would have had them first. (laughs) Really impossible, but of course, grandparents do get to have a lot more fun. Um, I've got a photo here, slightly self-indulgent. There we go. That's me with my grandchildren. And particularly, this is my granddaughter, Sailor. She was 13 months old before we got to meet her because she lives in America and, well, there was that COVID thing that stopped us leaving the country. Um, And so the day I met her, you can see the joy on my face. There is nothing like holding a grandchild and being able to give them a big squishy cuddle. But you know what? As a grandparent, I have very different responsibilities in our relationship. Basically, my role, keep her alive and have fun. So if she wants ice cream, I don't check what time it is. I just go, ooh, how many scoops? I don't have to check her daily vegetable intake and calculate how long till the sugar wears off. Because I can hand her back. Yeah, probably a good thing we don't see her every week. One of the examples that really struck home to me this week is the difference during the white period. So the the white period is that period somewhere between a child turning two and 22-ish when they start to eat vegetables of their own volition again. For my daughter, she as a six-month-old would eat every vegetable you put in front of her but only one colour at a time. 
She now still only eats vegetables one colour at a time, but they're only white. She's a big fan of potato. A little bit of the cauliflower, not much else. Certainly nothing green. But during that uh, white period, parents spend an inordinate amount of time hiding vegetables. You can puree them, you can put them in smoothies, but you can't hide broccoli in a glass of milk. And you know, you make pasties and pasta sauces and you know, here's a good, try this, here's yummy dinner. And the kid will go, I don't like vegetables and push it away. Now you cannot see the vegetables, but they know they're there, right? And during this period, kids, generally speaking, like to hang out with their grandparents, especially for sleepovers. Because with grandma and grandpa, it kind of goes something along the lines of, oh, so you'd like a honey sandwich for lunch? Okay. White bread, of course, that's all we buy. You were coming. Ice cream for dinner? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, chocolate for breakfast, slightly harder. Let me see, cacao is a bean, bean is a vegetable. Yep, chocolate for breakfast, okay. And then come pick up time. Oh, yes, dear, they ate everything on their plate. Not a problem eating here at all. They cleaned their plate. Ask for seconds, mm-hmm. Yep, they got their dessert, mm-hmm. yeah, no problem. It was fine. Grandparents are facilitators and co-conspirators. They have very different responsibilities to a parent. For a parent, the list of responsibilities is long and some days they can feel endless, can't they? No matter how old our children get, they will always be our child. And so it is that opportunity as a grandparent to go, oh, they're all grown up. And now they've got this little human and I can do all the things I wished I was able to do as a parent, like treat them and feed them ice cream when they're spitting vegetables out and not have the angst. So it's a really different level of responsibilities. One of the first responsibilities we have as a parent is to name our child. And when we have baby dedications at church, our families get up and they hold that precious little one We have photos on the big screen of the, you know, three, four, five weeks so far, documented daily, of course, now. We've got phones in our cameras, cameras in our phones. Um, And they will often talk about the child's name. So recently, we had the Stark family, and Ari means Lion of God, and they get through that name. They get to proclaim the hopes for that child. But in my experience, it wasn't always like that. Here's the scenario as I recall it. Dad looks at his newborn daughter. Oh, she's so beautiful. And she's perfect, so perfect. He's nearly moved to tears. And he looks at his wife with love and he says, let's call her bitterness. And the wife goes, "Mm, that's a bit long. But Marion means the same thing. So let's go with that. And so Marion it was. Thanks, Dad. But in the New Testament, we encounter a different family. There's an older dad and a younger wife, and this family was sent and created by God. 
Oh, this little family had its own challenges in the traditions of the day because it was Mary and Joseph. Mary was engaged to Joseph, but not yet married. She was promised, but it was not yet proclaimed. Joseph was probably older because he'd established his business and learned his trade. And young Mary was pretty, but from a simple family with no big dowry. So they didn't have a lot of resources to back them up when she falls pregnant. And God gives you the name in a dream because it means Messiah, you know that Jesus will be a special child. As Joseph, you love Mary and because you do, you listen to the angel about what to name him and you raise her child as your own, always knowing that you are second best dad. Well, there really isn't any competition, is there? Because his father's Yahweh. So you change nappies and you flee to Egypt and you keep packing up your tools just to keep this kid safe. And you will go on to have other children with Mary, but there will always be something different about this firstborn son. And for Mary, we read in Luke chapter 2, 19, that she treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary wanted the best for her little boy and she knew that he was special. He was Messiah. But that same Mary is here in this jarring passage in Mark chapter 3. Jesus' mother and brothers arrive and they're standing outside and they find someone to send in inside to call him. And the crowd was sitting around Jesus as they tell him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. And Jesus says, who are my mother and brothers? And looks around at those seated there and says, ah, here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother, sister and mother. Wow. And Mary and his siblings are still outside. We find Jesus in full teacher mode. There are people crowding to hear, to be near, to learn, to listen. When his mum and his siblings arrive and they struggle in the crowd to get someone's attention. Go tell Jesus we're here to see him. They've come a fair distance. They might even expect to jump the queue. But no, no, Jesus doesn't even acknowledge them. Instead, he uses their visit to teach. Whoever does God's will is my brother, sisters, mother. My family is anyone who does God's will. So you see, it doesn't matter about your bloodline. That isn't what's important to God. Neither is it how many times you went to church as a kid or even how often you come now. You see, it's not about the worship songs that you know or how well you sing, a blessing. It's not about the rosters you're on or the T-shirt that you wear in big letters with Scripture. 
It's not about who your parents were or your grandparents for that matter. No, being part of God's family is whoever does God's will. They are the family of Jesus, his brothers and sisters. In Romans 8, we read, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And now, if we are children with Christ, we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. And in Ephesians 3, 6, we hear again about being children. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles, that's us, are heirs together with Israel, members together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. You see, we are made joint heirs with the Son. Joint heirs, equal. So it's not about our race, our surname, our church membership, or just for the Adelaideites, the school we went to. Because we seem to care about that here in Adelaide, don't we? In Romans, in Ephesians, in the Book of Mark, they all talk about us becoming heirs of the Father and joint heirs with Jesus. You see, we are children. We are never grandchildren. If we are children, we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. So let's take that check back again about the difference between parents and grandparents. The parent has the responsibility of discipline to help the child grow into a responsible and mature person. The grandparent gets to have fun so long as they keep the child alive. It's the difference between vegetables and ice cream. At some point, we come to like and eat the vegetables first. I'm not saying you give up the ice cream. I would not be in the kingdom if that were the case. But at some point, the vegetables become something that we willingly go to of our own volition. So the suffering isn't about punishment. It's suffering with a purpose. Just as a parent disciplines a child because they love them and they want them to grow in maturity, vegetables aren't a punishment. Rather, you need them to grow, to be strong, to be healthy, to have a long and fruitful life. But in God's kingdom also, there's no inheritance without suffering. It's the present suffering that brings the future inheritance. In Romans 8, we read, and I'm going to put the glasses on to read this for you. From verse 14, for those who have been led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption into sonship. 
And by him we cry, Abba, Father. For the Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. If we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. There is discipline there. But there is a sonship, a full adoption into God's family, equal with Christ. So not once in all these passages does the Bible say that the parents can suffer for us. They cannot share their inheritance of faith with us directly. You know, the bank of mum and dad might be helpful for your first home or car. But the inheritance of faith is not theirs to give. Parents, we should raise our children up in the ways of God. Absolutely. Absolutely. But raising them to know God and to love Jesus is not the same as them having a faith of their own and therefore becoming heirs. We want them to have a first love of Christ, not something secondhand. You know, one of the most difficult things you will do as a parent is to let your child go and to become independent. When they are small, oh, it's tiring. We lose sleep, we wipe bottoms, we carry them in our arms. And we feel as they grow the weight of that responsibility to keep them safe. And as they grow older, we hover with arms open as they learn to ride a bike as they learn to walk, as they learn to run. And there will be scun knees and torn clothes, broken hearts and tears as they learn and they grow. But we can't do the learning for them. You can't walk for your child or they will never learn to walk. Heart in mouth, we pray that we have set them up to be safe and secure in all of these new skills. But at some point, we have to let them do it themselves. When my daughter Katie was 18, uh, she moved overseas for a couple of years to become an au pair. So she went to America and she lived with a family just outside New York looking after their four children. And she found a wonderful family. Um, they bought her a car to use so that she could have a set of car seats for all the kids and didn't have to wait on anybody else to get around. Um, they paid for her gym membership and she had her own living quarters, uh, which she kept in true Katie style, which has improved in case you're watching Katie. Um, so I had absolutely no concerns at all for her physical or emotional wellbeing. She had an absolutely wonderful time. But I had an uneasiness in my heart for her spiritual well-being. Was she reading her Bible? Would she find a church community, friendships and a place to belong? The Facebook post certainly showed her enjoying herself. Music festivals, even a trip on a private jet. And so I wrote to her. Use this time to find your own relationship to God. And I wrote to her 
praying Ephesians 3, 14 to 19. I pray that you will know your heavenly Father and His Son, the height and depth and width of His love for you. There was never a reply to my letter. Roll forward six years and a few weeks ago, Rory and I went to her church and we heard her first sermon. And she was able to stand on that platform and she was able to speak of how she built her relationship with God. That she reads her Bible daily, that she's learnt to fast and to pray. And she spoke of how she knows God's peace and presence in her life. First hand, not second hand. And you know what? I now have a sister in Christ because she's not a grandchild. She is a child of the King, a co-heir with Christ. So you know what? The hovering with our arms open, it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. You know what? Our church attendance as a child, it doesn't count for much. Nor our name or what it means if we don't have a direct relationship with our father as father, not grandfather. There are no grandchildren in heaven. This is not an inherited second-hand faith, but a personal relationship with Jesus. Only you can be adopted by God to become a co-heir with Christ. And how do we do that? Well, we do this by becoming people who do the Father's will. Now, this isn't a legalistic direction. It's not a list of rules. You know what? There were 10 of them and we broke every one. Lists of rules don't work. We don't want to become Pharisees. Rather, it is about your heart being aligned to God's will, of making choices that Jesus would make and living in a way that brings us into deeper relationship with Him. If your heart is aligned to your Father, you take delight in doing His will. Let's go back to that white period story. And I'll give you an example of a family here who I think have made it through to the vegetable side of things. Haley was, uh, Haley Duke was telling me recently about how the kids are becoming a little more like her and Simon. And it, it was just such a beautiful example of this. So the kids went to stay with the grandparents over the last school holidays. And they hadn't seen these grandparents for a long time. So you can imagine what grandparents did. It was like, oh, all right. So the entire pantry was transformed during this period into things that the kids would like, yeah. And so they had pizza and they had burgers and they had chips and they had a wonderful, wonderful time. And when they got home, it was a long trip. And so Haley asked the kids what they wanted for tea, thinking that they'd be tired and so fast food might be a really good option. And Daniel looked at her and he said, vegetables, I just want 
vegetables. Now, for some of us, we will be waiting a long, long time for that comment from our kids. I know I will. But you can hear the Father's heart in that story. Yeah. To do the Father's will is to crave the vegetables, not the junk food of this world. It is to choose reading your Bible over watching a poor quality movie. It is to spend time in prayer rather than scrolling through social media. It is to volunteer at church rather than complaining about it being boring. Doing the Father's will is about us aligning our hearts to God's will to find and rekindle that first love of Jesus, our brother and co-heir. You know, sometimes that will mean that we do things that seem quite radical to the world. Other times it will mean doing the everyday in a really devoted way. Would you get up 30 minutes earlier to read your Bible or choose to turn off the trashy television? Would you choose to catch up with friends and and go home around 10 o'clock on a Saturday night so you can be up in time for church? Do you cook a meal for a neighbour who's grieving rather than watching MasterChef? In John 3.16, it says, we have absolute clarity of God's love for us. For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. There are no grandchildren in God's family, only direct heirs, children of the King. It's a very flat structure, God's family. We stand beside Jesus. We are co-heirs with Him. Your parents may have prayed over you and that is a very good thing. They may have given you a beautiful and meaningful name or they may have walked away and not cared for you at all. You may have been part of a beautiful, faith-filled church and served on worship or not. Or you may never have gone to church, not willingly anyway. And you may even have cursed Christians and their do good ways. The Apostle Paul did. The thing is that none of that will save you and none of that will stop you from being saved. We can become co-heirs with Christ, children, children of God, only by doing God's will and sharing in the suffering of Christ. Being here And being part of this community is a good thing. It will strengthen your faith. It will help you endure the suffering and to stay on track. But only once you take that step and no one can take that step for you, only you can be adopted into God's family. It starts with a personal relationship. Jesus, I believe in you. I want to follow you and live a life that looks different and that is hard because the world will fight it. But that is the only way you can have the inheritance 
of eternal life. So you know what, if that is what you want, if that is how you wanna live your life, you have an opportunity to respond. If you realise that you have been borrowing the faith of your parents, thinking that you can be a grandchild in heaven, respond. If you once knew that first love, but it has grown cold, come for prayer. One of our pastors or elders will pray with you and they will welcome you into the family as a child of God and a co-heir with Christ. They will be standing in all four corners. Come and pray. And if that's what you want, but you don't know how it will feel and you feel that there are blockages to it, there are, there are no blockages to that. There are no blockages to that. There is nothing you have done There is nothing that stands in your way but a yes. You may not even have the words to pray and that is absolutely okay because the Spirit Himself intercedes for us. He hears our groaning heart. You can be a co-heir with Christ. Stand alongside your brothers and sisters. We are all equal here. Doesn't matter about your age matters only about the decision that you make to say yes, to be a child of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to praise You again, we come as children of the King. Dear Father, we want meat and vegetables. We want to do Your will. Earthly grandparents are fun and they are a joy. But Father, we know that You are Abba Father, the Father who loves us no matter, no matter what we've done, how far we've been, how close we've been circling the edges. Father, we devote ourselves to You. We open up our hearts. We want to be the child that craves the vegetables of Your Word the child that craves to do your will and loves you, Father. Help us, dear Lord, to live always devoted to you and to come close and to come with a childlike faith and expectancy. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.